and welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon. I know how you are. You're going to sit down, get all comfortable. And so we're just going to let you stand there for a few minutes. Hey. Let me just welcome you to 2024. Good grief. For, for those of you that are 20, well, for those of you that are in your 30s, do you remember? We weren't sure we'd ever make it to the 2000. You remember that? I mean, YK2, we thought the world would collapse at 2000. And here we are 24 years later, and, uh, and, and we're excited to be here. I mean, the good thing is that 2020 happened, and so any year after that's good, you know? And so we recognize the prospects of that and are excited about those opportunities that are before us. Well, today, I'm going to begin a new series uh, of messages that I think really will be encouraging to you, because what we're going to talk about about over the next few weeks is how to find security in an insecure world. Now, we hear a whole lot about security, don't we? We hear about national security. We hear, we hear about world security. We hear about cyber security. We hear about personal security, all those things. I was talking to someone just before our service today that had fraud in their account. And almost every one of us know what that's like. You know the headache of having a credit card and somebody gets your number and charges something and you look at it and recognize that's not me. And you go through the headache. Some of you have had identity stolen. And I mean, your whole world is turned upside down. We hear on the radio today about people who actually steal homes. They literally will go and change the deed to your home and sell your home. So we live in a world that, that we are constantly bombarded with, the in, uh, with, with, with security threats that literally render us insecure, right? Well, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how we can have real security in an insecure world. I believe that we get a hold of this stuff, it's going to change things uh, and for the good. You're ready to sit down, I can tell. I stand up the whole time. I don't know what the deal is. So, um, hey, let's just pray together and then I'll let you sit down. All right, Father, open our hearts to be receptive to what you have to say to us today. And, and I pray, God, I really do pray. We're going to look at principles out of your word. These principles are things that are true all the time. And, and when we apply them to our life, this truth changes us. It changes our perspective. It changes the way we live life. It changes the way we see things. And it gives us the ability to have a security that many, many, many in the world don't have. And so I pray that you'll help us understand these truths today and in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can sit down. Thank you for that. You're going to sing better next, sun, next Sunday, I know, as uh, we have opportunity to move forward. Well, as we talk about this new series of messages, what I want to do is today give you four basic principles, biblical principles, 
that kind of form, if you will, a foundation. And it's kind of on this foundation that we're gonna build and move forward uh, over the next few weeks that I think will, will change us. We're gonna hear some personal testimonies and, and, and talk about challenges that, that, uh, that folks have uh, faced and how these uh, principles have guided their life over the next few weeks. So I think it's gonna be a fun time and a great study together. Now, if you have your Bible, turn with me and we're gonna find these uh, principles recorded for us in Psalm 24. Now, I know that you're very familiar with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we have a tendency when we find those chapters that we're so familiar with to, to have no knowledge of the chapters before or after them. We just kind of see that as the, the, the centerpiece and we get excited as we're reading through that and come to that familiar place. But David says in the next couple of verses in Psalm 24, something that is powerful that, that you and I can discover and apply to our life. And so in Psalm 24, we find these words and as David speaks this powerful truth, we're gonna begin to uncover some of these basic principles that offer security for us. In verse one, chapter 24 Psalms, David says the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has formed it out of the seas and established it upon the waters. Now just in those two verses, David says a ton. And if you don't stop and think about it, you'll miss it. You'll just kind of read that and recognize, well, of course, God's the creator. And of course, he's the owner. And of course, he's the sustainer. And, and we move on with our life. But there's a principle there that I believe can offer us a security that will give us what we need to walk into the uncertainty of the world that is before us. So the first principle that we recognize that David introduces us to, not a new principle, not something crazy that you've not heard, but something life-changing if you apply it. The first principle is simply this, God owns everything. God owns everything. That's exactly what David says. He says the earth is the Lord and all it contains. Now, if God owns everything, you know what that means? You own nothing because he owns everything. Well, we think we own things, but yet the scripture says God owns everything. And the declaration that David makes here is a declaration that you'll find throughout the scripture. And he's ultimately saying God owns everything, all material possessions, all time, all talent, everything God owns. Now, whenever I think about that, I'm reminded of a story that I read years and years ago, and for some reason it stuck with me, and I'm not sure why, but it was, a, it was a story about John D. Rockefeller. And at the time that John D. Rockefeller died in 1937, he was the richest man alive. Now what's interesting, he was kind of the first oil tycoon, but what's interesting about John D. Rockefeller is at the time of his death, his particular company accounted for one out of every $30 that was generated in the U.S. economy. Now what that means, if we put it in terms that we could understand today, 
What that means is if you would take the amount of wealth that he had and compare it in today's terms, he would be 10 times more wealthy than Bill Gates. So when we put it in perspective, this guy had everything. Well, it was interesting when he died in 1937, there was a cartoonist that presented a column in the paper asking the question that everyone was asking when they heard that he died. And in that cartoon, it had the little question mark uh, uh, in, a, in a picture portraying his death. And the question was simply this, how much did he leave? I mean, this is the wealthiest guy alive. How much did he leave behind? Was he a billionaire? Did he leave millions behind? We kind of Google that stuff today. How much are they worth? How much did they leave behind? Well, the next frame captured it and puts it in perspective because the next frame of the cartoon simply said, he left it all. He left it all. He didn't carry anything with him. You and I understand when we see it from that perspective that the reality is we don't own anything. And when we think we do, and when we think we have accomplished much, and when we think we have accumulated a lot, the real question we need to ask is, well, how much will you owe or own, hey, uh, say 100 years from now? We can't take it with us. And so David says, this is what you need to understand. God owns everything. Now listen to me. You're going to understand over the next few weeks how important this is, but this is life-changing. If you come to understand that God owns everything, there is a freedom there. There is a freedom there that you and I can embrace because if God owns everything, I don't have to worry about all this stuff. You see, many of us are worried about our stuff. We have to lock our stuff up. We have so much stuff, we can't even park our cars in the garage because we got our garage full of stuff. And not only do we have a garage full of stuff, we have so much stuff, we have to go rent places to put our stuff. We have these businesses all over the place. It's amazing to me that we got storage facilities everywhere and people are paying monthly fees to store all their stuff. And we put locks on our stuff and we put cameras so that we can see and make sure that nobody gets our stuff. Well, I want to tell you something. If you understand you don't own anything, you don't have to worry about it anymore. It's not your stuff. You don't have to worry. Suddenly there is a freedom that comes within us when we understand that we own nothing. Not only that, David will say later on in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, David offers these words. He, he is about to die. He's on his deathbed. Solomon is about to take over. And, and David, as he begins to pray, and as he presents Solomon having established uh, and taken up an offering so that the temple can be built and Solomon will build the temple after David dies. David offers these words in the prayer and, and he says in verse 14 of chapter 29, he said, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this for all things come from you and from your hand we have been given. So even David says this, not only do you own everything, anything I possess, you gave me the ability to possess it. See, some of us are willing to say, well, I, I know that you're saying God owns everything, but I work hard. 
I mean, I've worked really hard for what I have, and I've played by the rules, and I've accomplished a lot, and, and so I'm willing to say God owns it, but, but you know what? I've, I've worked really hard to accumulate that. And you know what David says? Even the ability that you have to work, even the ability that you have to make money, even the ability that you have to accumulate the things that you've accumulated, guess what? God gave you that ability. So nothing you possess is yours or comes from your work or ability. It is all from him. Now, in Psalm 24, he even tells us why he owns it. And he says, because he's creator. Not only did he, does he own it, but, but he created it. Because he created it, he owns it. He speaks it into existence, kind of like... In the business world, if a person creates something or if they come up with a design and they get a patent on it, the patent says it belongs to them and they get to tell how it's used, right? Because that patent, well, in the same sense, God created the world and as a result, it belongs to him. Now, as many times as you've heard this and as simple as this is, I want to tell you it's one of the hardest principles for us to embrace because it goes against everything in us. From the time we were small, I mean, you remember when your kids were two years old and they began to learn words? And, um, and one of the words they began to learn, and you don't even teach them this stuff, but one of the words they begin to learn is what? Mine. Mine. And they'll reach and grab it. That's mine. And you know what? That mine mentality grows up with us. So all of a sudden, we have this protective mentality. We are fearful. We are stressed. We are worried because of all that is mine. And I've got to grab hold of it. And the attitude sometimes is get all you can and, and, and can all you get and sit on the can. You know, I mean, it's just this attitude of, of all mine. And what does God say? Hey, none of it is yours. It all belongs to me. Now, if you can wrap your mind around that one, then it brings us to the second principle. And, and the second principle is this. If God owns everything, then everything you have belongs to him, which means you are a steward of everything God owns. You're a steward. Now, the word steward and stewardship, the word steward literally means one who manages the affairs of another, one who manages the property of another, one who manages the finances of another. Uh, it, it also carries with it the idea, the care and management of something that is entrusted to us to take care of. So if God owns everything, then you and I are stewards and the things that we possess, we simply manage because it's not ours. Um, I, I mean, and you find this principle all the way back in creation when God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden. In Genesis, God said to them as he created the world, he, he, he said, I'm going to put you in the garden. Your job is to manage the garden. Your job is to, to steward all of my creation. You are to have dominion over all creation. 
Now, the, the word dominion means to rule over. It means to, to protect. It means to care for. Jesus tells a, a really interesting parable that illustrates that truth in Matthew's gospel, chapter 25. And in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is offering these parables. And he says, as he's telling the parable, there was a man that goes on a journey to a foreign country. And before he leaves, he brings in his servants. And he, he entrusts three of his servants with his possessions. To the first, he gives five talents and the talent Rep representing uh, an amount of money or resource or, 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 or oversight of a, of a certain area of his estate. To another, he gives two talents, and to another, one. Now, I love this because Jesus says, each one according to his ability. Because the owner of the property recognizes that, that each person's not the same. All of us don't have the same abilities. All of us don't have the same experiences. All of us don't have the same gifts and personalities. And so God gives to each one of us, and that's really a picture of what it is because the person in the story really is a depiction of Jesus who goes on a trip which recognizes the cross and the resurrection and Jesus goes to heaven, but one day he's gonna return. So this man who has this ownership of the property entrusts to one of his steward five, to another four, and or to another two, and to another one, and he leaves and goes on a trip. Now, in that particular story, Jesus is reiterating what we have discovered in, in, um, in David's assessment of Psalm 24. All belongs to the man who's going on the journey. So the servants don't own it. Everything belongs to him. But he gives it to the servants. The talents are given to them. But listen to this. The talents are not given, in, given to them so they can use any way they want. The talents are not given to them so they can buy their own land, build their own house. No, he gives them his resources so that they can use his resources for his benefit. And so they do. The first one we know and the story goes and he invests those five talents that had been given to him by his master and he accumulates five more. And the second one goes and he takes the two talents that the master has given him and he invests it and he comes back with two more. And the one who only received one said, well, you know what? I don't know what to do with this. And I've never been in this situation before and I'm a little bit afraid and I'm a little bit intimidated and I'm a little bit overwhelmed. So he went and dug a hole and he put the one talent there so that when the master comes back, I'll have exactly what he gave me. And so in the story before us, what we recognize is that each one of those three is a steward of the master's possession. So what he's saying is simply this, God owns everything. You and I are simply stewards, but we don't get to use what we have for our benefit. God expects us to use everything we have for his glory. Now, that sounds kind of selfish. We're going to understand the connection later of the freedom that it brings to us and the joy that we have in living in that kind of relationship. But here's the principle for you. God owns everything. If you understand that, then over the next few weeks, we're going to discover some things that are really going to lighten the load for you and really going to make an impact 
because you don't have to worry about your stuff. It's not your stuff, okay? Secondly, if we understand that I am a steward, God has given it to me, so I wanna, I, I wanna be a faithful steward for what God has given me. That kind of brings us to the third principle. And the third principle is simply this. I am, re, I am uh, to, to be responsible as a steward for everything that God gives me. God has given it to me and I'm a steward and I'm to be responsible for that which God has given me. Now I've, I've told you over and over again that understanding these principles bring freedom. Um, maybe I could just use that as an illustration because uh, don't, don't you recognize that with freedom comes responsibility, right? Someone has said we've got a statue of liberty on the East Coast. We need a statue of responsibility on the West Coast. And I think that's true. I think some of the problems that we're having today is because we understand the value of freedom, but we don't understand the importance of responsibility with regard to the freedom that we have. Now, if we go back to the parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 25, you got the guy that had the five talents and he invests them and he makes five more. The other guy invests two and he makes two more. And the other guy hides his. So when the master comes back, the master comes back and in verse 24 of chapter 25, this is what he says. And to the one who had received the one, uh, to, the, to the one who received the five talents, he said, well done, you good and faithful servant. To the one who received two, well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things. If you're faithful with what you have, I'm going to give you opportunity to do more. And then he comes to the guy who only had the one talent. And, and I, I love this part of the story. Because he didn't do anything wrong, did he? It doesn't look like he's, he didn't steal. He doesn't mishandle his master's money. I mean, he gives him back exactly what he gave him to start with. But you know what? Jesus uses some of the most harsh words you find anywhere in the New Testament to describe this encounter. In verse 24, the one who had received one talent came up and said, Master, I knew that you were a man reaping where you do not sow and gathering where you scatter no seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid the talent in the ground. See, you have what's yours. But this is what the master answers and says to him. Listen to this. You wicked, lazy slave. You wicked lazy slave. You knew that I didn't reap where I did not sow, or I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter. You ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. You know, you know what the verse tells us? Here's the scary part of the principle. What he's ultimately saying is that I'm responsible to God for everything I have. If he owns it, and I'm a steward of it, I'm responsible to him. And, and, and here's a sobering thought. One day I'm going to give an account for what I did with those things God gave me. How did I use it for his glory, for his kingdom? 
How, how did I take what God had provided for me to use it? Now, here's an interesting thought. Whenever I mention steward and stewardship, you've already, your mind has already gone there because anytime we talk about stewardship, we automatically think about money. But it's so much bigger than that. It's not just about the money that we have. It's about every area of our life. And the fourth principle that I want you to recognize is that stewardship touches every area of my life. So it's not just money. I, I can give you four T's that kind of put it in perspective. It covers time. Every one of us are given 24 hours a day in one day. All of us have 1,440 minutes in a day. All of us have 86,400 seconds in a day. All of us get the same thing. Now, we get a different amount of years based on how long we live, but God is the giver of time. And he holds us accountable as to how we Live the life that he's called us to. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in chapter 5, and he says to them, be careful how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Another translation of that would be making the best use of your time. You know what I've discovered? Not, not everything we do with our time is bad. Some of our time spent doing good things, but do you realize that sometimes good things can get in the way of doing the best? And as we walk into this new year, maybe an opportunity for us to say, God, you've opened the door and given us a brand new year and a brand new day, and I want to make sure that I use this day the way you want. It's the only one I've got. Today's it. I have no promise of tomorrow. And if we can learn to live every day as if it's the last day we're going to live on the earth and we live it to its fullest, we squeeze out of it all that we can for the glory of God that, that we might hear from him in that day. Well done. You did a good job managing the time that I gave you while you were on earth. We are stewards of our time. There's a balance that he calls us to between work and sleep and eating and, 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 and the enjoyment and the pleasures of life. There's a balance to all of that, that that God is calling us to as stewards. But not just time, our talents. Now, the word talent that I use here is not the same as used in the New Testament uh, parable that Jesus gives. He is certainly talking about resources and financial resources. I, I, I use the word talent to talk about the abilities that we have that God's given you. Every one of you have abilities, you have gifts, you have skills, you have talents. In addition to the skills and the talents and the abilities you have, you have spiritual gifts that God's given to you. If you're a Christian, we've talked about this before, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, God gives you a birthday gift. 
And a birthday gift is that the Holy Spirit gives you a spiritual gift. And we've got to discover what that spiritual gift is so that we can use it for God's glory. And we'll never fully live out our purpose unless we understand our spiritual gift and we are living out the purpose of our life in operation of that gift and the skills that God's given us. God never wastes an experience in your life. He's given you skills and abilities. And some of you, what's amazing, you are using your skills to benefit your employer. You're using your, your gifts to benefit people around you. And God is saying, but I'm the giver of those gifts and I want you to use them for my benefit. What if, what if you begin to see that their workplace is to bring glory to me? and to honor me and that you're a steward of your time wherever you are and you're a steward of, of the, the talents and the abilities that you have, not to benefit yourself personally, but, but viewed as for a purpose of benefiting God and, and making an impact in the lives of others. Not only do I think that it touches our lives in the area of our time and our talents, but certainly it touches our lives in the area of our treasure. It does talk about our money, and we need to talk about this because most of you are a mess when it comes to your finances. And we're not getting any better. Most of us in this room, nobody ever sat down and taught us how to be responsible financially. Sometimes as a parent, we teach our children so many things, but we never teach our children basic financial tools to help them be successful in life. When, when, when Tanya and I were in the process of raising our three sons, we, we sat down together and tried our best to teach them those three principles. You remember, I've shared that with you. We had, we had three jars that we put, we, it, I mean, this is old school. We, we didn't have computers and, and uh, laptops or any of that kind of stuff. You know, we just were old school. We had three jars. And we wrote on the front of one of the jars, this is savings, and on the front of the other jar, we put their name, and on the front of the other jar, we put God. And so we, we would give them a, an allowance every week, and there were certain chores they had to do, and we made them do those chores. And uh, we didn't pay them if they didn't do the chores, and if they didn't do it right, you did, I mean, you, you're responsible, you do this, and this is what you get paid. And on payday, it was a big day for the kids. On payday, man, on Friday, they'd all come running in there, and they would bring their jars. And they would sit down on the floor, and, and Tanya, for the most part, would kind of give them their money, but she would say to them, okay, now the first thing we do, what's the first thing we do? Well, we give God his part of what we have. And so we taught our kids, okay, well, why don't we take 10% of what you've got and let's give God that. And you know what that means? That means you get 90%. God's, uh, he gets 10, but you get to keep the 90%. So let's give God 10%. And so God gets his, and we put that 10% in while we celebrate that. And then we, we have savings and we say, okay, we, every time we get paid, we need to save. And, and so we, we would save and you get 10% of everything you make needs to go in savings. That's yours, but we're gonna save that. And you'll get to use that later, but we're gonna save that. That's 10%. Now the rest of it, you can do whatever you want to with. That belongs to you. And you know what's amazing to me, as we begin to teach those financial principles to our kids, when they wanted something, we would just simply say to them, do you have enough in your jar to buy it? 
And you know what was amazing? They always wanted to guard their jar. They wanted me to spend my money. They didn't want to spend their money for something. And you know what? Sometimes stuff they thought they needed and wanted, suddenly they didn't want if they had to pay for it. Because there was a finance, they began to understand finances at a young age. I began to recognize. Now, if, if you're paying for it, I want it. But if I have to pay for it, oh no, it ain't worth that. I know what I had to do to make that. See what I'm talking about? Yeah, all of us understand that. But you know that there are many of you that are in the room today, and you're upside down financially. You're upside down with a car note. You have credit card debt. You are living from one pay. Many people in this room, you have money problems. Some of you have money problems. Some of you have management problems because you just don't know how to manage the money that you have. Some of you have spiritual problems. Those are the three big areas where we struggle in that area. But we have to be faithful with our treasures. Yeah, we have to be faithful with the treasures and the resources. We're going to talk about how to, to, to find biblical principles, and, and God speaks to that often. And he doesn't speak to it because he's all interested in your money. God doesn't need your money. Why? Principle number one. What's principle number one say? He owns it all. He doesn't need your money. It's not yours. So it's not like God's out there saying, you know what, now all these preachers are preaching, we need your money. No one need your money. God owns it all. So when we begin to talk about treasures, God says, I want you to be faithful in that area as well. And I want to tell you something, when you learn to be when you learn to be faithful with your time, suddenly you're, you're not stressed. You can get in control of your life. When we learn to be in, 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 in a good steward of, of our gifts and our skills, then we begin to love life and we love work and we love and have purpose in what we do. And when we, when, when we are learning to be good stewards of our resources, we're not living paycheck to paycheck and, and scared of the future. We're, we're living with a sense of financial security. But, but the final T that I offer to you is this. And we certainly understand those three. But the other one that the Bible speaks of that we don't talk about very often is that we are also responsible, not just for my time as a steward and, 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 and my, um, my time, you're going to have to help me out. Not only am I responsible for my time and uh, what's the next one? Talents. Good. Thank you for that. And the next one, treasure. And the final one is truth. I'm responsible, as a child of God, you're responsible for the truth. Do you, know you own, do you know you have truth? This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. You know what he says about the gospel? He says the gospel, you and I are responsible for the mysteries. of the, We are to steward the mysteries of the gospel. This is what Paul is saying. The world is in darkness and needs light, and you know the source of light. The world is struggling, and we know the answer. The, the world longs for security, and we know where it's found. It's only to be found in God. And, and so you and I have been entrusted with a truth that can transform lives. 
And God says, I'm going to hold you accountable for the truth you have and the people around you that have never heard it. Suddenly, as a steward of the truth, God can open my eyes to people around me that desperately need him. And I can speak into their lives truth. And I can steward the mysteries of the gospel so they can be saved. There are four principles that are fundamental and foundational to all that we will discover together. God owns everything. I'm a steward of all God owns. I'm responsible as a steward, and God's going to hold me accountable. And stewardship touches every area of my life. I think we start in understanding how to have security in an insecure world with a hard look at these truths and then move toward a soft heart of applying them. So let's pray together. Father, much of what we've talked about today is not new. We've heard it over and over and over again. The problem's not knowing it, it's doing it. And so we are right back where we started in our prayer at the beginning, acknowledging Jesus that we desperately need you. We can't do this in our own strength. We can't come up with a plan to make it happen. We have to depend on you, Holy Spirit, to live this out in our lives. And so, Father, I pray that you would search the hearts of those who are listening today. And if there's anyone here who's forgotten that truth, or maybe we just don't live like it's true. We act like we own stuff, which makes us greedy and selfish and self-centered and nervous and anxious and stressful. God, would you help us to remind remind us today that, that, that we, we don't own anything. You own it all. But help us to recognize we're stewards of what we have in our possession, and we want to be faithful stewards. We want to be the one that you say, well done. Good job. You've done so well with that. Let me give you something else that you can use for my kingdom's sake. Father, help us as you search our heart to recognize that we're going to be held accountable for our time and our treasure and the truth of the gospel that is ours. You, you, God, you've given us all of these truths and you hold us accountable to it. Help us to recognize it. This covers, this touches every part of our life. So we yield our life to you today. Speak to us and draw us to yourself in this moment. And if there are those that are present today that are listening that have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, listen, there's so much freedom to be found 
and the grace and the forgiveness God offers. And today you can know him as your savior. If you just say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I get that. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my life, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I give you control of my life. Father, even as some have prayed that prayer, I pray that in these moments, your Holy Spirit would come take up residence in them. Help them take those next steps they need to take as they begin that journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry, send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us. 